Hello, and welcome to Awesome Leaders Lessons for Food Business Success, a podcast aimed at supporting the development and growth of women-owned food and beverage processing businesses in the Canadian prairies. Our guests include industry experts as well as food and beverage entrepreneurs to provide knowledge, real-world examples, and inspiration. My name is Bailey Gervais, and on behalf of the Awesome Program, I'll be your host today. Welcome back for part two of our product costing session with Tahira Fadali of Tula CPA. In this episode, Tahira is going to actually walk through the costing exercise with one of our members, Dahlia Cohen, owner of Wild Folk Botanical Beverages out of Calgary, Alberta. Hopefully you will find it interesting to follow along with the process and take what you learn and apply it to your own business. Dahlia Cohen is Calgary-based chef and was the founder and owner of The Coop for 15 years. The Coop is a very popular ethical vegetarian restaurant with an impressive and unique cocktail list. After selling that business in 2020, she has launched Wild Folk, free-spirited botanical cocktails ready to drink in a can without the alcohol. Dahlia has a huge passion for local and seasonal food and enjoys spending her free time foraging and gardening. Welcome, Dahlia. Thank you. Nice to see you. Uh, Thank you for agreeing to go through this exercise with Tahira today. I know it'll be valuable, but I also know numbers is a bit of a vulnerable area of business to talk about. And so I really appreciate you sharing with us. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I started Wild Folk, um, I guess the start of November was when I launched. So fairly new. And I've started just with two different products. Um, so the one that I've chosen to run through today is the vermouth spritz. My costs are are fairly high. It's a, a premium product. And um, as Bailey mentioned, I really focus on local and sustainable. It's really important where I source my ingredients from. And so that's um, something that's really important, but it's also caused my, my prices to be uh, quite high. And um, as discussed previously, you know, waste is an issue. I'm not paying myself right now. So always looking for ways to, you know, to improve and to, to cut costs. Well, I'm excited to dive in with you, Dahlia. There is a link to a Google sheet in the show notes. It's an activity and there's also, there's three sheets. There's also an opportunity for you to have a blank template of this activity to try in your own business. And so that's what Dahlia has done, and we're going to work through it. But there's also um, a sheet with questions, so you can kind of like go through and try to do it with the example I've given of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then there's a separate sheet with the solutions, so you can check if you've done the, you've got the activity right and you've got the gist of the exercise. But yeah, let's walk through it, and we can talk through some questions you've had, because I know you filled it in for your own business. So this is really a way for you to figure out what your costs are, what your cost is for your a specific product that you manufacture, and then start to play with, okay, how can I price my product? So yeah. the first section is about putting our raw material costs. So I see, Dali, in your spreadsheet, you've listed all the raw materials that go into your drink. Yes. um, Which is great. And then how much it costs for you to purchase. So you're probably, you know, we're buying these things in bulk. So you can put that of like how much you buy something in bulk and the cost of like a per unit. So you've chosen, I guess, per pounds. 
Yeah. And that fluctuated quite a bit. Like this was when I purchasing smaller amounts. And then now, you know, once I figure out kind of the shelf life on everything and how often I'm going to be doing runs, you know, what if I buy one pound, it's very different from than buying, you know, 20 pounds, it almost cuts the cost in half. Great. Yeah. So that's a good point of, you know, updating this and also playing with it. Maybe you're ha- you're because you want to see if you should buy the that big amount, right? It's like you probably have to get through a few hurdles before you choose to buy that larger amount. And maybe running this exercise for a few scenarios can even help make decisions on how much the quantities you're buying. Yeah, even trying to figure out where I'm going to store everything and the cost, the added cost of storage. If I'm buying 20 pounds of, you know, each um, drink has 24 to 26 ingredients um, in it. And so (laughs) it's, yeah, there are quite a few. And so the only thing I'm not seeing on here is the, your um, packaging costs. So the cost of your can or whatever container the drink comes in. Right. And that was a question that I had actually for you is where I factor in the, the can, the the label, the boxes, all of that. So I wasn't exactly sure if I was supposed to put that in bulk raw material or production overhead. There could be a separate section called packaging. Um, But if it's not laid out that way, I would put it under the raw material cost. Okay. And, And actually, sorry, maybe for the individual packaging. So like where you have your bottle and your label, but maybe if it's like the boxes to put a bunch of drinks in, then that portion I would put in production overhead. Okay. Yeah. Because it, it varies as well. Like all of the cans off the line go into 24 pack trays. And then depending on how people order, if they order, you know, to, to display them in single cans, then I just give them the 24. Some people order them in the four packs. And then if I'm shipping them, they either go in the four packs in an eight pack or in the four packs in a 24 pack. So um, yeah, packaging is crazy. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big cost that I didn't put on this sheet. Um, at least to start with, it'd be good to just have like the basic container of your, so if it's a can or something, um, the can okay. I would include in the bulk raw material costs. Okay, so maybe we move on to the second part then, which is listing all your labor costs. This is where and I, I'd strongly advise, even if it's you making the product, you put in for every maybe process or like it depends if it's like split into process or yeah, if you have different processes, maybe listing out all the processes and then the cost per hour that if you were to hire someone to do it, how much you would pay them. And then the hourly, like how many, what the output in a certain time frame is. So whether it's an hour or, I don't know, a production run, something like that, some sort of output, measurable output. Um, And so in my example, I've listed like making the sandwich and then packaging the sandwich, if those were two separate processes, just to give an example. And currently for my product, I'm using a co-packer. And so I I do the the preparation and then they kind of take it over um, into the canning, like for the canning line. And they charge me basically the whole process, like putting it in the tanks, carbonating it, um, putting it through the line is like adds 50 cents to to each can. Okay. So yeah, that's a great point actually, because I'm sure a lot of people are using co-packers. So this is a, this would be a good place to keep, put that in as well. Cause that's part of, you can look at that as a labor of producing your final product. 
Yeah. And that was like, I did have a, a question, but it's a, it's a fairly large question. It's just when, how you figure out what makes sense, like working with a co-packer versus, you know, building out your own, <laughs> right. your, your own facility. And now, now that I've started, I just realize how much goes into having your own facility, you know, the, the staff, the, um, you know, the rental space, all of the equipment. Um, but at what point, like when, how do you figure out when that makes sense? I'm just, the place that I'm using, they're, they're great in so many ways, but there are also so many, um, things that cause issues like that are kind of, um, like either the capacity you're booking in, like the scheduling, um, the equipment that they have versus, you know, the equipment that I need, they have some of the equipment and then I'm having to outsource some of it, which is actually costing me more. Right. So I think really it comes down to understanding the full cost of the co-packer and, and then the full cost of what it would take to have your own production facility, costing it all out and then understanding, doing a calculation of it, what volume would you break even? Okay. And then knowing that, then you know that maybe once you start to hit those volumes, you start thinking about it. And yeah, it's, it's a volumes question, right? So it's doing the calculation of your break even. Yeah. And it's tough because I, I, won't, I won't be able to hit the volumes that I need to be at, at the facility that I'm at right now. It, like the, the best you can get at forecasting when you can sell those volumes so you're not... So you're not, and this is why people get investment, right? Because sometimes you do have yeah. to put the cart before the horse. So you go for the bank loan, but I think the bank will want to see all the financials behind that, the, that this investment would be profitable. So just showing that like, I'll make volume, I'll be able to sell volumes above. This is my break even point. This is how much volume I plan to sell. And then this is how much money I will make from running in my own facility. Yeah. I'm a ways off from oh, there, these are these I are I know, but these are the these are the goal. <laughs> these are where we want to get to. I know I talk a lot about this to small business owners, and it's not about doing it today. It's about knowing that that's where you're trying to get to, and and looking at your numbers to keep at that. That's your goal, and you have to keep working to get there. And it and knowing that it takes a few years, but you're you're doing all the right things. You're pricing your product. You, you know your costs, you maybe you know when you'll get there because you're modeling it all out financially. I feel like prices have changed so much though from when I started uh, costing, like the bulk raw material. So when I first costed out was before even starting, so at the, at the higher price. And then there are additional costs that, you know, like for example, when the flood happened, all of a sudden I was having to bring things in by air instead of by land. And that, that added 20% to my cost. And then there have been some new tariffs on the border. Um, there's a company that I'm working with out of the States because they, the way they harvest um, or and source their ingredients is aligns with my values. Um, but the cost to get an order in just for the border is $500 in addition to... Right. The regular price, which I didn't really factor in. Where do you, do you leave a buffer with the prices? Like if, if my basil is $2 and 40 cents a pound, is there a percent that you would add on to that for those fluctuating? Yeah. Maybe knowing that if they're agriculture products, then 
across the board, you put in like a 10% increase to cover anything else. But I know then it comes down to, sometimes it comes down to what's the highest price that consumers will pay, right? Um, okay, so let's take, for example, ginger. So for the first couple runs, I was buying, because um, my order hadn't arrived yet, it takes four months to get cut ginger. Um, so I was buying it in a <laughs> in boxes and cutting it up myself. So do I factor under the ginger cost or under overhead or where would I put that when I would put that in the labor costs? Yeah. So labor is where you factor in all the labor required to turn your raw materials into finished products. Even though you're not paying yourself, you want to factor it into the price of the product because that's, that's part of the beauty of your product, right? Yeah. Um, and you have to pass on that cost to the customer. I just feel like if I passed all the costs, because there are so many small things, I, like they wouldn't pay $20 for a can, <laughs> 250 mil can. Like there's so many right. small things that go into it that you don't even really realize. It'll, I think it'll, cha- I think putting it down will challenge you to try to reduce your costs because knowing that eventually you, you need to have. I don't know what a 50, I don't know what, what's your ideal um, price per can for a customer? Yeah. So right now um, the suggested retail price is $5 and 50 cents. I feel like it should be closer to $7, but I just Mm -hmm. don't know if it would sell at that price. (laughs) Right. And yeah, so then you need to get your costs down to somewhere lower than five fifty, where there's some sort of margin. Right. And I think just putting all those things, writing all those things down will get you to think about how do I get constantly like, and I'm sure you're doing it. (laughs) I don't doubt that you're doing it. Maybe where I can see cutting is like the, in the ingredients and either, you know, in two ways, either not buying organic hand harvested ingredients, but then that just like hurts my soul. Um, And the other way, I don't know, would be to hire, bring someone on who has the experience, even as a contractor for a short period of time, who can help refine the recipe and maybe lower some of the ingredients. Like basically just being, being a chef, I don't have necessarily that experience. Like I've taken the recipe and put everything into a pot and gotten the flavor that I've wanted but without maybe the science background of taking into consideration saturation points and um, extracting flavor, if that makes sense. Like potentially I'm using more ingredients than I need to. Um, Like when I go to do, I, I scaled up from 20 liters to 700 liters and I basically just, uh, you know, adjusted the amounts for the 700 liter volume Um, and I'm not getting that 700 liters, I'm getting 500 liters out of each production run. So where is my loss? And I don't, I honestly don't know how to figure that out myself. I don't know how to tweak without wasting all of those ingredients on, on that scale. So I think, um, like from an accounting perspective that would, that would go into your variances because you have like a standard cost based on a volume, but then when your actuals come through at a lower volume, then all your costs go up, right? So that would show up as like a, as a price variance. Okay. 
Um, and you just, you'd notice that in the, the difference between all the materials you bought and the sales, the sales you brought in, right? Bailey, do you have anything you want to, do you want to chime in here? I think that's probably, um, it's a big question, a really <laughs> good idea. Like, obviously if you're getting 200 liters less than what you were hoping to, there's an issue there for sure. So somebody should be able to help you with that. And maybe it's someone like, um, Sarah Louie at the food center or, um, even Brev is a, is our processing guru at the food center. And I know there's the Leduc food center as well. They probably have, um, some services like that. And it, yeah, it could be definitely worth your while to kind of go through that with them and see if there's efficiencies or cost savings that you could be doing there without sacrificing the type of ingredients that you want to use. Yes. Because it makes, it makes it hard to cost it, cost it out and get the actual, you know, I can put all the amounts in here, but yeah, the, if the end product is coming in short, what is the actual cost? Okay. Do we want to move on to production overhead costs? So this is where we would think about all the other things that go into transferring from our, like our, our product to getting the product on the shelf, right? We made our product, we've, we've factored in our raw materials, but what else goes into the cost? There's, you know, we have rent and, you know, if we're making our product in our home, maybe we think about still including some sort of rent. If we had to be out of our home, what, what that would cost just so these things are already in our pricing or that we know that our margins are can cover these things maybe it's a volumes game so maybe these things we put down and maybe we're we accept that in year one and year two but knowing at least that when we hit these volumes we should be able to cover these expenses it could be like a three-year plan to getting to a point where we cover all of our overheads so i've included um storage uh, subscriptions, so QuickBooks and Shopify, um, marketing, uh, miscellaneous being insurance, um, and yeah, a few other small, small things, uh, bookkeeping, um, something that I didn't put in here, but I'm, I'm curious about are like broker fees and, um, shelving, shelving fees. Like I'm, I'm not there yet personally, but I'm, I'm looking at it for for near future and just wondering how that fits in. Uh, is it an added cost again per can, um, like a percent that you would add into the the price that you charge? And then, if so, how how does that fit in for monthly monthly costs? I don't think it goes because it's not a product cost. So the, you know, we're right now we're just looking at production costs. It's the selling cost. Okay. So it would be okay. it would be in your sales and marketing costs. Because I put marketing under here. This is a thing with over. I think produ production overheads. We should just include like say like let's let's use the example of every, if I have a factory, all the costs related to operating that factory to make my product. Uh, marketing and other admin okay. costs would be, would not be a product cost. Those would be, those, how, what you'd want to do is eventually be selling enough volume that you're making enough profit to then cover your overheads. Okay. Yeah. So we wouldn't include those in 
this production overhead. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, so you've listed your monthly cost. Have you allocated them to the cost of your product? No. Okay. So what I've done in this um, example here is I've said, I've listed all the, um, you list all your production overheads. And then what you do is you kind of estimate how much how much volume you would sell in your year and say if you have multiple products and you're you're taking like all the products and you want to allocate um a proportion of that total overhead cost to that one product i think would it just oh, be 50% if i had two products just 50% across the board yeah if they were equal volume if they were producing yep. equal volumes yeah and then what we do is we add so then we say hey what is my total product cost so you add your raw mat- so we're in section 4 we um, add our raw materials, our direct labor, our overhead expenses to come to a total product cost. And so you've done that here um, based on different volumes per month you might sell. I did an example of, let's say we want to make a 30% profit margin on your product. What price would you sell your product at? Um, So just getting comfortable with trying to do some of these calculations so we understand how to do the calculations. So how did you find that part? Were you able to do that? Um, I had a little bit of help from my husband on this one. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Getting help is what we need, right? As long as just... It's not about, you know, as business owners, it's not about doing everything ourselves. It's like who who can support us in doing this? So that's perfect. Yeah. I shut it down a couple of times, kept going back to it, and then yeah, I asked for help. <laughs> Great. Okay, let me talk about this calculation. If I want a 30% profit margin on my product, what price should I sell my sandwiches at? So so there's there's two different ways. There's um markup and margin. And we need to know the difference between them. So markup is when you, if if it's a 30% markup, then what you're saying is my sales price is 30% higher than my cost. Whereas what a margin percentage is, is once I take my costs out of my sales price, I'm left with 30%. So, so my cost makes up 70% of my sales price. So there's a, in the solutions, like I think it's just easier if you look at the example and if you don't know how to do it, look in the solutions part and look at the, um, the formulas to work out how to do that calculation. I know there's a question that came up during the workshop of like, you know, there's certain things that might happen one off and then when to actually factor them into pricing, right? Because certain things happen. And so, you know, sometimes we eventually we want a business where like we have enough margin to cover these kind of things that come up. Um, But then when they're happening over and over again, it's like when there's patterns, then we have to go back and incorporate them into our cost. Okay, so then that, so part five is looking at um, trying to price our product for a certain profit margin. And then you could, you know, in the blank template, you could play around and make your, if you want a 40% margin or a 25% margin, you just do this um, exercise to work out whatever sales price you need to get a certain profit margin. And again, what we talked about in the the first episode was doing some research, talking to different people who maybe make similar things because profit margins will vary based on what you're making, where you're selling it. 
So getting as much data as you can to price your profit product um, competitively. This exercise is trying to reach that point. Yeah. So I did that for like in my business plan. The thing with the break-even analysis though, is like it's your in the business plan was I was also guessing on some numbers, right? You don't know, <laughs> you don't have all of that information. So like my, the projection by year one was that I've broken, like I put where I would have broken even. And then I started again for year two. Is that what you would do? Like you're just updating your break even point based on new costs that come in. Yeah. 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 That makes is sense. That... And yeah, it's okay. Uh, the reality is we don't know everything and we don't know most things when we're writing a business plan, but we figure it out as you're trying to make the product and put it on the shelf. And so, yeah, that's a great point is to update that and update it. You're constantly updating it because you want to make new decisions all the time, right? Things are always happening. And, and so you can do that if you, if you do your break even point from the perspective of costing out your place where you made it, the product yourself, that will help you figure that out. A question about, um, the break even, do you include your fixed costs? Yeah. In that? Okay. So break even is you take your gross profit per product and um, and you take all your fixed costs and other overhead costs. So like that's where the marketing and and the those um, the shelving costs and all of that would come into play. And then okay. you divide um, that by your gross profit margin per product. I did leave out, um, I, I wasn't sure about brokerage fees, uh, you know, warehousing in different cities, things like that. And so that was not um, factored in. But at the same, that's why I'd mentioned, like, I tried to do year one, year two, because in year one, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like, I'll be going, um, working with smaller shops that don't necessarily take percents. Yeah, no, it's, it's the, <laughs> it's all the steps, right? You're, you're working on something and you're getting there, yeah. getting to that end goal. But like, just, I think putting the numbers down to understand where we're trying to get to and where yes. we are right now versus where we're trying to get to. And then that kind of creates like a roadmap and how do we make a financially viable business? Yeah. And I feel like when I initially did this, um, when I was working through the business plan, I, I should have done this and then added 50% because there are so many things that I didn't factor in, like even the BCMB and like recycling, like can recycling. I just, I didn't even know that that was a thing. You pay them $5,000 up front and then you, you know, say how, how much you've sold each month and you pay them monthly and then you get that money back. And there's, there are just so many small things. Yeah. And I'm sure every single person <laughs> who's listening to this podcast can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to go through there. So I really appreciate it. Dahlia, yeah. are you ready for a couple quick rapid fire questions? Yes. Okay. <laughs> What is your latest food discovery or uh, recipe that you're loving? Playing with different uh, pastas and different grains and trying to mm. know my own. And and I think because it's something completely different from from the beverage I'm working yeah. with. Yeah, with dough. <laughs> cool. So you're making your own flour? Yes. Wow, that's intense. Some successes and some some failures. Yeah, yeah it's been, it's been really fun. Cool, I love that. If you ever need a taste tester, just ship them my way. I could 
live on pasta. So, <laughs> um, and then what is a work life hack or resource that you find useful? Can I say my husband? Yes. <laughs> just for the, for, <laughs> um, yeah, just, I think he keeps me sane with all the, with all the numbers. Like I, I panic around spreadsheets. I love the creative side of, of business and, I think, yeah, it's just nice to have that person to to lean on to whip out a spreadsheet really quickly where it just like calms my nerves because I could just stay up for hours at night trying to figure that side out and and just yeah, I I, I can now admit that I'm not good at it and but it's nice to have that person that can put it down and, and ease my mind. So yeah, he's like my my, com- my computer. I love that. Great answer for someone that doesn't have a spreadsheet inclined husband. Uh, maybe they could call to hero. Yeah. <laughs> also just for you, Dahlia, for the folks in Alberta, I think you're just selling in Alberta right now. Or are um, you cross border? So just Alberta, um, in physical locations. And I just started e-commerce to, uh, BC and Saskatchewan and hope to I'm just working out distribution um, okay. in those provinces so ho- yeah Great. coming soon so, across Canada yeah that's <laughs> awesome okay so people can find all the locations that you're selling at is that on your website yes yeah okay and then and then potentially place an order depending where they live uh yeah try them they're so good yeah and they're so pretty. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, thank you both so much, um, Tahira. Thanks for sharing all of your wisdom. And Dahlia, thanks for being so open um, with your business of an example of how to work through these exercises and, and asking all your great questions. Um, I hope you found this helpful. And I hope people listening will be able to incorporate this tool and these um, things we learned today. So yeah, thanks a lot, everybody. The Awesome Program is an initiative of the Saskatchewan Food Centre. It's funded by Prairie's Economic Development Canada through the Women Entrepreneurship Strategy Ecosystem Fund. We are here to support women-owned food businesses through education, advising, and industry connections. Although we're based in Saskatoon, we serve members in Manitoba, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. For more info, visit the show notes or head to our website at beawesome.ca.